you know, we we're kind of stuck in the past in, in physio and so hard to break out of that mold from an education standpoint, getting practical experience, but also from a business model standpoint, it's holding people back. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are passionate learners who learn from Dr. Liebenson and other, we've learned all, all these great things, but no one's using it because the mm-hmm. model is stuck in this old world. Mm-hmm. Clients are expecting this old stuff. Uh, professionals aren't given the opportunity to utilize what the best evidence is showing. So we want to get people better faster because a lot of people are suffering from the same stuff that could be avoidable. Welcome to the Find the Gap podcast, where we're going to focus on the health and well-being of the support personnel and practitioners within high-performance sports. This will act as a platform for practitioners to share their own insights and experiences that have helped them to progress to where they are today, as well as being a safe environment which they can touch upon moments of vulnerability and other emotional battles that they've had to overcome in order to be successful. My name is Sam, and thanks for joining me on Finding Gap Podcast. The Finding Gap Podcast is brought to you by Sustainable Sports. Sustainable Sports is an apparel company designed for every athlete. Every piece of apparel is produced and made from recycled plastic bottles, which at the end of the period of use can be returned to be remade into new apparel. 80% of discarded textiles can just sit there for more than 200 years, which emits a methane, a powerful greenhouse gas to be more potent than carbon. Sustainable Sports look to be an apparel company that uses 100% recycled polyester fabric to help protect the planet. Sustainable Sports understands the difficulties in community level sports and the struggles that the local clubs have to endure throughout the season to get their players on the park. Sustainable Sports is made up of the individuals who are passionately involved within sports at the grassroots levels. So on today's episode, we've got Dr. Ryan Chow, who's the founder and CEO at Reload Physical Therapy and Fitness in New York City. I'm really excited to talk to Ryan as he's got a very unique perspective and opinion or a philosophy, I should really say, on physical therapy uh, and the industry as a whole. So without any further ado, here is the episode with Ryan. Perfect, love that. Ryan, thank you very much for jumping on uh, this episode of the podcast, mate. What's going on? I'm good, man. I'm excited to be here. It's excited to uh, just connect uh, with uh, Australian professionals who I look up to. There's uh, there's just so many great physio, sports scientists, uh, and everything going on over there. So I want, I'm excited to connect, learn, share, and hopefully provide some value to your listeners. Perfect, man. And, and we'll talk about more about what's up next for you, but you'll hopefully plan to come down to Australia soon, right? When everything calms down. Yeah. Uh, I'm a faculty for first principles of movement, which was started by my mentor, Dr. Craig Levinson. And he has, uh, he's been teaching there for a while. So I've been uh, excited to come down, teach and, and share and learn. Cool. Yeah. I love to hear that. It'd be good to see you down here. Um, now, mate, just to get us rolling. Can you uh, maybe just provide a little bit of a background yourself, uh, a little bit about what you guys are doing at Reload, um, educational history, build up to where you are, just whatever you want to share? Yeah, sure. I'm um, an I'm exercise science uh, guy. I studied that in undergraduate and then I became a personal trainer in New York. So um, while I was doing that, I eventually got my physio degree on the weekend. So I've been training for 11 years. I've been a physio for four or five years now. And um, my world is marrying the two, bridging the gap between rehab and training, um, understanding where 
uh, we're falling short and kind of transitioning people from pain and injury to uh, fitness and performance. And that's kind of where my passions lie. So um, my background, having done both of those things is how we started Reload PT and Fitness, which is a company that I started while I was in PT school. And um, yeah, we're basically uh, trying to create a, a scalable way to to capture all the people who are being lost between physio and performance and trying to make that better. Yeah. I love that. And how long has been reload been up and running for? Um, it's officially incorporated in 2018. I was probably seeing my own private training clients on my own. So mm. and since 2016 or something like that, but um, yeah, so maybe let's call it three or four years. Yeah. Cool. You mentioned about uh, your relation or, bridging the gap or, or sorry, uh, narrowing the gap between rehabilitation and, you know, training or performance. Um, mm. Is that kind of like, can those terms be just interrelated right now? So you're probably like the training you're trying to do, you're putting performance, oh, sorry, you're putting rehabilitation within that for all this. So, so the same goal as performance. Yeah, I think uh, I, I like the terminology that training is rehab and rehab is training or, uh, rehab is just training in the presence of pain or an injury. So a lot of, I think, what people are dealing with in um, uh, modern day is just uh, pain isn't always uh, musculoskeletal injuries. You know, it's not, most of the time it's not some crazy traumatic injury that requires, um, you know, to be fixed. So I think it's a lot of times we can train our way out of things because we develop these things over time. You know, there's training errors, there's um, lack of understanding of um, where a lot of pathology and pain comes from. Uh, and then we, we just figured out that most people can train, um, can, can really get most of their rehab and, and get out of pain and get better just with good dosage of, of exercise, education, stress recovery, adaptation, mm -hmm. uh, understanding it's safe and then building it in an intelligent manner. And I think um, that's, uh, sorely missing today i think that's going to be the future i think that's going to be more and more common and we've seen a lot of success with it hmm. and i can definitely tell that the, the way that you speak and the way that you portray yourself even on social media and whatnot um and via all your blogs and posts uh your language and your persona that like you're very passionate about this space and you're very passionate about what you do but i want to hear from you like what does it really mean for you to be uh where you are now as a physical therapist yeah, I mean, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, I mean, I, I was always a sports guy. I always loved uh, playing, you know, sports, basketball. That's how I really got into this. Um, you know, uh, I wanted to work with athletes. I wanted to understand it. But um, I think I just saw an opportunity. I just, uh, the more I learned, the more I realized how many people are suffering from things that are preventable, like, you know, chronic diseases, chronic pain, uh, low back pain. A lot of people are getting, like, unnecessary images drugs um treatments that aren't really going to be the difference mm. so i started seeing that when i was a student as a personal trainer and as a physical therapy student i was helping a lot of people get out of pain without being officially a physio mm. and then when i became a physio uh i thought i was going to use all this manual therapy and all these modalities that i couldn't use before and it turns out that it I, I could have just kept doing what I was doing. And I would help just as many people. So uh, a lot of times, um, you know, I think I just saw, I just see a lot of opportunity for improvement. I feel like 
a lot of the physio happens here, at least in New York City and America. Um, you know, you got four clients come in and they're getting modalities, heat, stem, ice, uh, and then they're getting manual therapy. And then I learned because I couldn't use that as a time as a trainer. I just skipped right to proper dosage um, of of load, um, and I would see range of motion improve immediately. I would see that um, you know I can get uh, swelling down by doing active things and loading and and teaching people how to recover better, to sleep better, to train harder and not do like corrective exercises or easy stuff for too long, just progress uh, with the mindset of, of um, pushing. And a lot of people who were never able to get help, they were never able to get better. They got better. And it wasn't that I was doing anything special. I just think that, um, you know, we're kind of stuck in the past in, in physio and so hard to break out of that mold from education standpoint, getting practical experience, but also from a business model standpoint, it's holding people back. Mm-hmm. Um, people who are passionate learners who learn from Dr. Liebenson and other, you know, amazing people like, you know, and I've learned from a bunch of people in Australia, you know, we had um, uh, Lachlan Wilma teach, teach us. We had Laura Mosley teach us his physio, Peter Sullivan. We love his work. Um, Tim Gabbett, uh, sports scientist will be here next week teaching in New York. We've learned all, all these great things, but no one's using it because the mm. model is stuck in this old world. Mm. Clients are expecting this old stuff. Uh, professionals aren't given the opportunity to utilize what the best evidence is showing. So we want to get people better faster because a lot of people are suffering from the same stuff that could be avoidable. So that's really where I think I get the passion from is, is my first job, man, I was seeing like 50 clients a week as a personal trainer and I got paid nothing and no one, uh, it wasn't being valued by the client and I wasn't being paid that way. And I thought, you know, if we look at what the world is suffering, you know, 80% of people uh, in, in this world will experience disabling low back pain at some point, And it's mm-hmm. not like we're all doomed for it. That's, that's something that we can deal with, you know, they're given MRIs and shots and, and, and meds when that is not indicated by anybody. The Journal of American, um, the, the JAMA, the Medical Association, uh, it, they say, you know, that's not the first line of defense. But if you ask people what actually happens, that is the first line of defense. You know, so physios are partly to blame. Doctors are partly to blame. Physios aren't giving the care they should be giving. And trainers are doing a lot of the good stuff, but not getting credit for or being uh, included in that system. So I think there's a lot of weird stuff going on and there's a lot of uh, opportunity to make things better for everyone. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's really well said. And I've got so many things I want to go off and that. I'll just try to narrow it down <laughs> a little bit. But um, yeah. Uh, you you mentioned a few. Well, I want to talk to you about a little bit about reference points in a way. So reference points by meaning, uh, what do you measure to to what what do you use to measure kind of like your satisfaction or your happiness in your job, right? Now you mentioned you mentioned the and what you just said then about what makes you passionate about the job and and what you want to do differently uh, and you see the opportunity to do. Um, a lot of people see reference points being like, you want to make this job, you want to, you want to make, you know, a professional basketball team, or you want to make this amount of money, or you want to have this body to look good as a, as a practitioner, whatever it might be, like those kind of reference points that will, if I get those, I'll be happy. Um, for yourself, you might've also answered a little bit there, but to elaborate more so on it. Um, you sound, you sound like you're saying that, you know, 
getting a for a specific purpose as your reference point but correct me if i'm wrong what do you really find is your 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 source of happiness and satisfaction within your job that's an amazing question because what just as you say that i realize it's changed every you know six months to a year it keeps changing in the beginning i just wanted to be able to practice the way i thought was best for people mm. and i did that and i carved that opportunity i worked hard for it and it was working and it it, it worked out so well that i you know I was, I felt like everybody should be able to do that. Yeah. So now I wanted then it shifted. So I was, I was doing well. And then um, I was able to make a good amount of money. And I thought everybody should have this opportunity. So I wanted to include more people who are just as passionate about helping people to get paid more money um, and also help people in a way they felt it, it was deserving. Cause a lot of physios here get burnt out from like feeling like what they do day in and day out, just, nonsense and and it's draining for people so i don't want that to happen to anyone else because it was so liberating for me to be have you know some financial freedom to have some uh, to go to work excited every day to help people and to really meet a lot of clients who are really in a bad place and to break them out of that situation and make them better i think all those things made me happy and i wanted to create those opportunities for other people so that's my reference point now for every professional we bring on the team who then gets to find a way out of feeling burnt out and to treat and train the way they feel like should be going on and that's what makes me happy and I want now currently I'm at the point where we have you know we have four physios on staff four trainers uh, or coaches on staff and uh, I want to create a system where we can scale that out so a lot of people can use the system where we have physios uh, who include trainers and trainers who include physios. And we have this kind of person-centered um, model where the client comes in and then our team works together, like on a sports team like you, to, to figure out what's best for this person instead of kind of being siloed off and separate and um, kind of getting uh, disconnected care, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's well said. I like that. What, what what's the, you said before that like you help people like when they're and they're in a bad place obviously you're talking more so about physically here but you know yeah. w- what's your opinion about the correlation between um uh performance training rehabilitation and um and, and mental health uh, and mental well-being for your clients wow that's huge i mean all of it's really tied together right we can't really separate the pathology from the person we can't really separate the physical from the mental it's all about the person in front of us not uh, necessarily what their quote-unquote problem is and that's the way we teach our team and that's the way we work with our people for example we spend two hours with people on initial evaluation so we can learn about them Uh, i think a good example that comes into play that ties all this together is one of the clients that we're working with was um olympic uh, sprinter and all those things were tied together. His pain, um, he would go to physios and people would just do the same nonsense and he wouldn't get better. Uh, but that was affecting him mentally, right? So if you can't compete, you can't take care of your family, you can't uh, take care of your family, it kind of is a vicious circle where you're not like, you're not confident in your ability to do certain things, engage in your training and, and be confident and uh, perform. So you know, by removing the key barrier, which was understanding what was going on with his pain, we did stuff that helped with his pain, which ultimately helped with his performance, which ultimately helps with the 
let's say, let's call it mental health, right? Because um, it's not that he had any specific issues in that standpoint, but it all is tied together, right? Mm-hmm. Like imagine you're a, a footballer and you can't play football. That's a that's a threat to your identity. It's a threat to your passion. And of course, you're not going to be happy if you can't be that. And it's not that you can, it's that you have this pain that's either physically preventing you from doing or scaring you to think something's going to happen to you, right? Mm. What he said, he spent two hours with a, a like an initial consultation. Yeah, every single client that we work with, initial consultation, has both a physio and a SNC coach there on evaluation. So we can one, we spend about forty-five minutes talking to them, learning about their uh, fears, their concerns, their worries, their goals, their complaints, their what they can't handle, what they can't do anymore, mm-hmm. uh, what they've tried that works, what they think is going on, what hasn't worked, what they've been told is the was going on. Um, what you know basically we need to do a gap analysis you know we we took it we learned from snc and we say okay where's this person at um physically uh really everything mentally socially and we say okay like let's see how we can start to turn things around and then show this person how it ties in with what they want to do because a lot of times you know i'm sure you get this lot like people like why are we doing this this exercise or why are we doing this thing? Like, I just want to play. Like, what does this have to do with anything? And sometimes it just takes enough time to get to know someone, build trust and explain to them what they're doing and why it's important for them mm-hmm. to get them to do what we know is good for them. Mm-hmm. But if we just sit there and go like, no, I'm the physio, I'm the boss. You just need to listen to me. They're like, well, this is boring. I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. Then, you know, like it's never going to work. So we, we spend time to do that. And then we include coaches there because a lot of times, People feel broken if they're in physio or people feel like something's wrong. And if we know that training is going to make them feel better, then if we come up with the plan and we rule out any of the issues and we kind of, you know, try to figure out exactly what they need. And then the, the trainer is there to see the evaluation, see how it improves them, then they can start to run with that plan. They can work with a trainer sooner than if we have this disjointed version. where like, oh, I got them to a place where they're ready to return to play. Mm-hmm. And then now that the trainer has to go in and do their own assessment and it's like, well, why don't we just work together? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. so we, we have both ends. Likewise, on the other end of the coin is if someone comes into training and a lot of times people develop aches and pains and problems slowly over time with their training. Uh, mm-hmm. The physio has already met them, understands them, understands their goals, what they can do. And then if we see it ahead of time, then we can say, hey, like, you know, initially we saw that this was tough for you. So maybe that's why your squat pattern is throwing you off or when you're sprinting, you know, I think maybe we need to work on more plows and elastics because maybe that's underpinning why you're starting to develop pain when you do a lot of high speed running, whatever it is, we're there together. And that's why we, we introduce ourselves together. And then we spend the time to get to know them because we don't like a transactional relationship. We say, Hey, once you're with us, you're with us. So we're there for you. So we want to be like how you are for your players. We're, on your, yeah. we're, we're part of your support system. Yeah, no, I love that because I think a bit of a similar, uh, a comparison, um, you know, you have a shorter session, you have 45 minutes to catch up or do like an initial consultation with someone. Um, you gradually find out more and more as you go along any in any situation to do, but having the longer time at, uh, at the initial consultation, 
you're not finding out new things very, very quickly. Like you have a half an hour meeting, 45 meeting, and you try and cram as much into that short period of time as possible. You see physical, you see you know mental uh, capacity, you see um, all the deficiencies and you talk about them as a person. Like that can go on for a long time, let alone trying to smash all that in 45 minutes. Then you have that first session with them and then you feel like actually, you know, this, this movement here isn't, uh, you're not responding well to that or whatever it might be. Uh, whereas you get that first two hours, they're bought into it. You've got the compare, uh, the time and the, um, the dedication for it. I find that absolutely very, very useful. Um, and I wish I had the dedication to do that. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you would if you could, right? Oh, hundred percent. hundred percent. What would you say that you, um, was the hardest part of your, your career development or your journey, uh, so far to where you are now? Um, I think during physio school or right, you know, it's either during when I was managing a gym and teaching full-time and then I was going to school on the weekends from a time perspective, that was just very stressful doing everything to all those things. But I think the hardest part was initially like being so excited to be a physio Mm -hmm. going in and just being so disappointed. Like I was working more hours, getting worse results and getting paid less money Mm. after getting a doctoral degree when in America, you don't even need a high school diploma to be a trainer. Mm. <laughs> so that was, that was a struggle. Like there's an identity issue there. It's like, I've been a trainer all my life and now I'm uh, um, telling, you know, people, Oh, I have this prestigious degree. I'm so smart. I know how to do all these things. And it turns out all the stuff that we learned is not that useful. Mm. Uh, you know, it's, it's great to maybe use manual techniques to get out of this really scary, um, acute and sensitive zone but uh turns out you know we don't learn too much about loading training and progressing in physio school or even continuing education for physio so now we're we're kind of don't have the skill set to give people what they actually need after their initial stage of rehab mm-hmm. so that was really tough like um coming to terms with that and then uh after i did that i think once we, we built up reload and it's got you know, we had good reputation of building up. I think another thing is just like building up people um, and then having them go and start their own thing and move on. I'm very happy for them as people and I'm proud of their work and um, they're representing as, as alumni of, of our team very well. And they're making huge splashes in their world, but it's like you, you build a, a team, you, you teach them everything, you see, how great they're doing. And then, you know, uh, when lives kind of just start to go in their own paths, so you understand totally, but that's tough too. Like um, having team members uh, no longer part of the team. I think that's, that's, that's another tough one, but those are probably the two most important like difficulties or hurdles. I think in my career. Mm-hmm. It's similar down here because the guys I talked to from the, the Zoop project, um, uh, who, who recommend who refer sorry who referred me to you um, both said that the degree was one of the hardest things I've done uh, and then asking him about their you know their difficulties and their struggles as a um, young physiotherapist they'd say that you know that first month few months after you graduate is the hardest because you like you said you jump into it and you're like oh I don't know as much as I think I do <laughs> um so it's about that like they again their experiences they learn gradually kind of thing uh which takes it back to what i mentioned before about the reference points is that like if you think that achieving 
you know, X and Y degree is going to be your source of satisfaction and happiness in this kind of field. Is that really the case? Because then you jump into the reality of it, into the workforce. Um, you show your degree everywhere, but you can't provide the correct service. It's different, but you get the experiences, you build the relationships, you build the team like you have. And then that kind of, um, those responses that you get from that, that's where you get those successful reference points. It's from that, that the happiness that you have provided the service to client ABC, that you have helped um, your employees progress to the next level kind of thing. Those are the points where I think the real happiness comes in and which a, a university degree can provide, not be that bang source of I'm happy now because I have master's, doctorate, bachelor's, whatever it might be. Yeah, that's just where it starts. Now, once you get the degree, now you're allowed to start learning. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly opposed, right. Yeah, I think that that's a big part of who we are as a team. Like we highly value continued education and trying to develop and learn. I think that's the reason why we feel like we can help people. Is we feel like you know we keep learning. Um, you know more sports science, more. Uh, mindset and and psych, like uh, behavior change science learning um, uh, basically performance training learning fitness training learning conditioning maximum strength sprinting we learn all the stuff that I think really sets us apart so when we have to solve problems I think um, people can rely on us because we try to learn from all the best mm-hmm. um, and then we also try to do, we, we, as a team, we try to make sure we're training all the time, mm-hmm. you know, training performance goals and also training our, through our own injuries and stuff. So I think it's, it's, it's um, anyway, yeah, to your point, it's just uh, where we, we value um, learning and then our, we, we value pushing our reference points up to higher and higher levels, levels. Because ultimately all this stuff is very complex. It's so many different things coming together and, to make it about one thing or the other, I think misses the whole point. So, mm. yeah. you know, that's our thought on the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, just on a separate point, would you be able to give me just three, you know, three, two or three examples of something throughout your uh, your career or your journey that have had the most influence in your life? And there are three things I'm meaning, like, you know, a, a book or an app or a podcast, uh, you know, a person, a course, um, whatever you think, you know, you might even say your university degree, whatever might you say your studies are in doctor, but what are the, like two or three things in a broad category that really influenced you to be where you are now? I think the biggest one was meeting Dr. Craig Liebenson, who's my mentor, who's, uh, you know, just a leader in the rehab space and evidence-based practice and implementation of, of uh, you know, just what's best for people. And he's, he's helped me be able to positively influence uh, other professionals around me from chiropractors, physios, and uh, strength coaches and trainers internationally. And he's also obviously developed my own skill set. And, and uh, he's also opened me up to just, uh, just all so many amazing people, practitioners, leaders in the field, and um, taught me how to be, uh, you know, just a great professional and person so i think that's the biggest one my first five years of my training career i just i don't know it was very average just put it that way Uh, but then once he kind of taught me how to learn he taught me who to learn from he taught me how to teach he taught me how to um just look at things a little differently i i 
I really, my life changed more, not just professionally, but personally. So, um, that was huge. Um, and then you wanted what, two or three, something like that. Yeah. Whatever you even just see if you're happy with just the one, that's fine. But if you got another one, I got four. Influence. I don't know. I mean, I guess, um, yeah, I think, I think, um, that's probably like the, the biggest thing, but I think another thing, maybe that's not what you're looking for, but like learning to become a teacher. Um, no, 100%. I think most, yeah, I think most clinicians learn, uh, and, and, you know, SNC coaches and trainers learn, um, for the sake of being able to apply. But when I started to take the mindset that I wanted to help upgrade other practitioners, I started to really, I think the saying is like, you know, when you teach, you learn twice, and I started to really double down on understanding how to understanding topics and explaining them in a way that are very relatable and understandable. And that helped me actually communicate better with clients. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a game changer to me. Um, I think uh, Simon Sinek's book, uh, start with the why, mm-hmm. you know, you know, the golden circle. That's a, uh, I think that really started to, um, make me understand how to communicate and teach and i think that changed me as a person you know because in communication ultimately everything we do is relative to other people socially help me be a better you know in a better partnership better um employer employee um mm-hmm. better you know uh professional and better son friend whatever so so communication from that standpoint was i think it was a big game changer so being able to teach and and um, that part of my identity, I think, was a big game changer. And I also got that from Craig. So, mm. um, yeah, those are the big influences for me. Yeah, it's being curious as well, isn't it? That's a good characteristic that being always curious to learn more and wanting to learn more as a teacher. Yeah, that's that's one of our big sayings that first principles of movement is be a learn it all, not a know it all. Because as soon as you're closed off and you think you know everything, you can't develop. And that's kind of how we got I got to this point in the first place I just saw that we were stuck in the past as a profession as an industry so I always want to keep a, an open mind and keep learning and developing and, and helping other people learn and develop so yes you're absolutely right I, I'm with that when when did you say then have you felt the most vulnerable um, either as a practitioner or as a person oh man most vulnerable, um, I would say, I guess a lot of people deal with this. I hear this from a lot of our students and mentees and everything is, I guess what people will call imposter syndrome is like, you know, when you work with people and you're spending all this time and effort, and then you feel like you should, you should know this, you should know how to help people. And then you have these clients that like, you really can't help them. You know, you know, all this stuff and nothing you're doing is working. And then you kind of just question, like, what am I doing? You know, like, am I even helping people? Am I good at this? And, um, or am I just another waste of time and effort for this person where they're trying to get better? They're investing their, their money, their time, they're hoping me. And then, you know, it's like, oh man, this, this person didn't do well. And <laughs> it's like, damn, what am I doing? I spent all this time and effort on this. <laughs> and I'm not, you know, so I, I think a lot of people deal with that. And it's like, damn, like, you know, I think it's common, right? Would you say that's what you got, you, you get in your, um, have you experienced that or have you met others who express that? hundred percent. Yeah. I'd say it's, it's a very, very common 
um, very, very common feeling from, I can say for myself and I can say from practitioners I've worked with and also people that I've spoke to on this podcast is a very common thing to bring up. Um, I remember like a, when I first started uh, my, my side gig uh, last year, I had this, uh, this guy walks in and he's, uh, he's been referred from his surgeon. I'm like, okay, cool. So this will be a bit more of a, um, maybe in-depth case, in depth case. And then uh, he talks to me about all these uh, arthritis in every single joint you can think of. Um, operation through both knees, uh, hips needs to be replaced probably soon in the future. I'm thinking, and he wants to come here and he wants to get managed before he gets his surgeries kind of thing. I'm thinking, okay, this, we'll see how we go. We'll see how we go. But I was just thinking about uh, uh, all these different factors at once. I'm thinking, oh, wow, am I, which I know I should be, but am I really capable to facilitate this? Should I be the person, you know? But what I learned was that you have all these different experiences from different cases throughout your career. You haven't got every single answer from day one. You haven't got, okay, we can fix it, done. That's, that's to say that from the very start when you just meet someone with whatever um, case that's intimidating you at all. The most responsible thing to do is like, okay, so this is what we're going to work towards. This is what you're presenting with. And it's going to be my job now to be with you on that journey. And if you're happy to go along with it, then that's good. But we're not going to, you know, this isn't going to fix it right now. For example, mm. I think a lot of people who are starting in the industry or who are faced with cases that they are intimidated with, they think, okay, how am I going to fix this now? They think, okay, let's, let's work along with it. I've got the answer right now, but a lot of people try and answer it and then flip it on its head kind of thing. Um, I've seen professionals who are, you know, have been my influence or been my, my mentors and, um, you know, obviously their job in a, in a sports team is to strengthen and condition and to, to better the players kind of thing, to keep them available. Um, I've seen um, injuries happen under a strength coach and, um, you know, just random injuries, but the strength coach, because his def definition of the role is to strengthen and condition. And like I said, keep available. He thinks that he's at fault and he's doing the exact opposite of their job. So he immediately goes into bang. Am I, am I really all I say I am? Am I doing everything right? when sometimes it's just down to chance, you know? So these feelings, whether you're a local league, local clinic up to the very, very top are so, so common. So, so very common. Um, I think it's what, you, what we said before is those experiences throughout your career where you learn to overcome that because you have done the hours, you have done the experiences. And if you are, you got your head screwed on, you know how to react to it. Wow, that's amazing. That was, that was so good. <laughs> I know we yeah. got like switched switched uh, chairs for a sec for a second. They're like you just asking me the question. Like, oh, I'll take off shiny this. I'll, uh, yeah, I'll see what uh, I can this share. Good. Let's let's see what we got here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, channel's great. Uh, man, that's you, you hit on a couple of things that I, I feel really resonate. Like it a lot of times it takes time, and then even then you, you can do everything right, and then still things go wrong. And exactly you know, sometimes right. it's time. To, yeah, you nailed it. And that's so hard, I think, for a lot of us, especially like you said, the, the new people, we don't really, you know, when we're new, myself included, it's like, I don't know how long this is supposed to take or mm -hmm. how much better this is supposed to get. Like, exactly you right. don't have any reference points to, to everything. So that's, that's so good. And I like that because it, like you said, it applies across the board from like general population all the way to the top or newer all the way to the most experienced, but also applies in strength and conditioning and also mm -hmm definitely applies in physio rehab and pain like pain is so complicated like we don't even know like half of what's going on there mm -hmm. and uh so yeah it's good to keep that in mind because 
like you said, we're like, oh, we have to fix this, but sometimes nothing needs to be fixed. Exactly right. right? I think it also comes down to what we said about that curiosity. So, and to beat that imposter syndrome or kind of like uh, flawed system that you have in the back of your head or that voice in the back of your head is to not uh, be a victim of the imposter syndrome and lie to the person. So if you feel, am I good enough to be here? Am I, you know, worth it? Worst thing you do is say, and lie and say, yep, this is going to fix it. This is going to do this. This is going to do that. Whereas if you're feeling that imposter syndrome or you're feeling that kind of doubt, you're honestly saying, hey, I don't know the answer, but we'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then you gain their trust. You be curious and trying to figure it out together. And you, yeah, like that, like I'm trying to link that curiosity and trust together because it is huge when you're working with athletes, clients, whoever it might be. That's so good. That's exactly what we teach. The first thing is trust. And that's why we do the two hours. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. That's why I really love that because I think if you get so much out of that two hours, Whereas you get a limited time, I feel like you rush it, you're going to miss a lot. But anyway, I, I do love that. I do love that you guys are doing that. Um, what being um, currently now, obviously we're in the middle ending another debate on where we exactly are during COVID uh, these, these days. But uh, what would you say that you're struggling with the most at the moment? Oh, man, we had to evolve like five or six times because of COVID. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, first everyone, uh, you know, we had to shut down basically. So we went into all straight up virtual mode, which was actually really great for us. It was enlightening because we always took an education and, and training for sure rehab. So now all of a sudden we can't touch people. We can't interact with modalities. So we really got put to the test there. And it turns out we were good there. We, we were all along, never needed to be in person with people. And helped us learn about who they are in their environment and their context, which is huge, like you said, for trust and problem solving and process. So um, that was great. But then now we're trying to solve. We are back in person. And now it's like it's super inconsistent. Like people are coming in. Some people are OK with it. But some people are scared and they're worried about it. And so it's it was up and down. And something that's a little more personal, I guess, to me is that. I was renting space from a gym at the time during COVID it shut down. <laughs> like the, the company went out of business. Mm-hmm. So I had nowhere to go. So we ended up uh, taking over the gym, which was really cool in one ways, but it was a lot tougher in a lot of ways because, you know, you, everyone always goes, yeah, I want to own my own facility. But then once you actually do it, you're like, Oh yeah, this isn't that fun or not what I'm passionate about, nor do I have the skill set for it. Um, so then it's very stressful to run a gym. Um, and we do, a, a something like, you know, co-working space, like we work where we rent space to chiropractors, trainers, um, independent people, physios, and then we have our own team. So there's just, it's really cool because it's a great community and we have bounce ideas off each other. And we have a lot of uh, different personalities coming in and out, all great people, but it's just a lot of different things to manage. So that's mm-hmm. like, you know, like it's hard for me to focus on my my clients that I'm taking care of because I have to focus on these other things. And, yeah, um, gotcha. yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll move on to the next one, man. Um, what would you say that you are uh, you most afraid of? Oh man, most afraid of. I'm just hitting I you think, with these one by one, bang, straight into it. No, See how you go. <laughs> they're good so i put all my my hopes and dreams out there like hey i want to create a, a scalable system where physio and and training and rehab are all married and we can provide better healthcare outcomes and it's there for everyone to see so if it doesn't go well like you know <laughs> you can see i failed or i didn't or whatever but 
um, you know, I kind of put it out there. So uh, it holds me accountable and I'm, uh, I'm okay with it. But yeah, I think that kind of motivates me in some ways. It's yeah, a little okay. scary. <laughs> For sure. No, I'm definitely fearful of the exact same thing, man. Don't worry. <laughs> um, and what would you say that you've majorly given up to be where you are today? What was something that you've sacrificed that you've given up throughout your, your studies, throughout your journey, throughout your career? That's a good one. I think initially I was going to say, oh, I just give up my social life. Like I don't see my friends and family and as much as I used to. But I would say I gave up my identity, and my past identity, where, you know, people know me as this person who's, you know, physio or trainer or whatever. But if you ask someone 10 years ago, like, who's, who am I? They would be like, they wouldn't know me as that. So okay. uh, I don't know if it's a bad thing. Maybe it's something I, I guess I grew into. But yeah, like uh, people who I still love and, you know, want to see and spend time with, I don't really see them anymore. I still care and all those things. But, you know, it's a lot of sacrifice to, to try to do something. It's, it's an uphill climb to try to change the whole system or mm-hmm. um, go against the grain. So, yeah, I've had to give up a lot of time and, and relationships, I think. I find it very interesting. I, I, I ask that most that question for most of the guys and I, I love hearing the differences and, you know, it, I say love hearing it. It Sometimes it is a bit daunting because a lot of the things that people have sacrificed is obviously time and time with people and, uh, you know, their own personal time because of the industry that we're in kind of thing. So it's, it's interesting the commonality of people giving up their time for themselves because they're in a product or a service that is for, um, uh, that is a service for other people to give for other people, yeah. to support other people all the time, whether it be athletes, or whether it be just um, general population. Um, and it shows the kind of personality of the people that are in that, which shows your passion for what you're doing with reload is that you are literally giving up your own effort and your own time for other people throughout the entire day, not just nine to five throughout your entire day. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that, that so you're, you're basically saying that it's common you hear that, right? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And it's, um, you know, some people have got differences to say that, but yeah, it's a very common thing that people have literally given up um, their own their own happiness. Um, and it's, it's worth talking about a lot uh, further on, but the, it's very common that people have given up their, you know, enjoyment for others. Yeah, I think that's why I like being in the profession because uh, we're kind of, we're all in the same boat and we all, want to serve others and I think most people would say that they're happy serving others and Mm. um, so I think ultimately that's that's really cool to hear and I think um, I think it's worth it and I think uh, people uh, that's why I want to collaborate with others like this like you and um, other professionals who want to serve others so uh, that's super cool man I'm glad to hear that that's like that's what kind of to me that's what kind of uh, keeps us all together and, and uh you know that's great yeah we're on the same boat for sure uh the last question i want to ask you mate is going to put you right on the spot uh but what would you say is your uh, your best dad joke dad joke <laughs> yeah so the dad joke has to be simple effective but equally as cringy oh no if i had one on hand i would pull it out maybe if i get you on the podcast next time uh you can prepare a sick dad joke and it'll be like the best of the season kind of thing <laughs> yeah i'm not a big jokes person but i'm sure like in the right after a, a few uh beers or something that these things kind of naturally come out but 100 100 now be good <laughs> especially if you come down to melbourne we'll be able to get a get a night out get some people uh together that you've collaborated with and go get a beer or something that'll be decent 
Yeah, that'd be amazing, man. I really appreciate that, that, uh, the, you know, possibility to collaborate like that in the future, the, the invitation to, you know, kind of share and, and converse with you. Uh, I love everything you've been saying and I'm so glad we connect. So yeah, hope, hopefully, um, you know, we get to meet in person and that people enjoy this and that we can keep this rolling and hopefully just like the way Connor connected us, hopefully I can connect you with others and keep this ball rolling. For sure, man. For sure. And um, what what's next for you? What's uh, next for you guys in Reload? Man, we just want to be able to impact more people. We want to reach more people. We want to uh, make what we're doing available to you know more people. We want to make it available and uh, scale it. Scale it. We want to have a Reload Melbourne. We want to have a Reload Miami, New York, you know, LA, whatever, like all over and. Um, uh, hopefully the world doesn't need it, but the way things are going, I think we'll need it for, for a little while longer. Yeah, man. I preach that for sure. I think um, a reload in Melbourne, that'd be awesome. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Where can, um, where can everybody reach you? What's the best way to get in contact if people want to reach out and have a question or have a conversation with you? Yeah. Um, email is good. Always Ryan at reload, uh, PT dot com. Uh, I'm on social media, so Instagram, uh, Chow, or um, you can also visit our website, ReloadPT.com. Also, don't sleep on FirstPrinciplesOfMovement.com and Dr. Craig Levinson and the whole Reload team. I think everyone I work with, I always want to you know, make sure that uh, you guys check them out, too, because they're my uh, influence and they're my uh, team, so check them out, too. Yeah, perfect. I'll attach all that stuff on the in the show notes, mate. So hopefully they can get access to that quite easily. Um, but mate, that's that's all we got time for. Uh, unfortunately, I could basically speak to you for a few more hours to be honest. How much we've been flying through this, but I've realised it's uh, in the evening for you, so I don't want to take too much more of your time. Um, but just have you got any kind of last minute pointers on um, advice for guys coming up through the system, people who have been in the system for years? Just you know, key things you've got on your mind. Oh man. Um, I think we hit on some of it. I think, uh, professional development is a key part of, uh, who I am and what I believe in, but I think collaboration, you know, what you're doing, I think, uh, focus on that. Cause there's, you know, you can learn from so many different people, professions and, uh, see a view, a different perspective that just opens your eyes up to so much that we're missing. Uh, so I, you know, I think the silo mentality and the specialization mentality is, um, not what we need today. And I think collaboration and more general understanding of everything. So I don't know if, if hopefully that's uh, helpful and resonates with people, but that's kind of uh, something that I wish I knew sooner. And, um, yeah. 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 I completely agree. And I think I put myself in the same boat as well, but realize that sooner we, who knows we'll be today. But like I said, it's never too late to start. And I love the collaboration that we do with people around the world. So thank you again, mate, for being a part of that. Thank you so much, Sam. No worries, man. Appreciate your time. Appreciate it so much. Thank you. No, I appreciate the time. I'll speak to you soon, okay? All right. Take care. So thank you to Dr. Ryan Chow for giving up his evening to have a chat with me for this episode. I found it very valuable and very uh, influential to how he spoke about his own philosophy in physiotherapy. I'm sure a lot of people will get uh, will, will resonate with that and want to uh, possibly adopt that kind of mindset or that uh, application down this way in Australia so it'll be interesting to see uh, some responses on that 
uh, his take on reference points and how we had a discussion about what we should be comparing or measuring our, our happiness to and our success to. So again, many thanks to Ryan, but again, if anything in this episode has triggered anything within your own mental health or you've resonated with, please get in contact with us. I'm sure we can have a chat and try and work things out. Um, otherwise, I've got a, a lot of guests lined up for the next few weeks, so please stay tuned and uh, I'll speak to you guys then.